Funding for Sundays on the East End comes from Duncan Darrow of Sag Harbor, who is the founder of Fighting Chance, a free cancer counseling center for the East End for 18 years. Learn more online at fightingchance.org. So welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We've got a great guest here today, Kate Muth, who's a... I like to call her my favorite rabble rouser on the East End, but uh, she's she's known in the theater world out here. She's a uh, founder of the Neopolitical Cowgirls, which have done many wonderful performances from Voyeur to Eve to um, Zima, which has been going on, I think, like nine years now is these, this outdoor. We'll talk more about that when Kate's on the air. Um, and she's a director, an actress, and an activist, and uh, works right now in January with January Girls, which is... Um, that's convenient. Yeah, isn't it? That's it's kind of I would have had Kate on any time, but it just happens to be January, and it actually starts today at Guildhall. It's a, I think it's, it's a two, workshop. It's a free it's, workshop. It's a it's a chance to, for for girls from six to one hundred and six to come out and play, do a little theater, get out of their uh, their heads a little yeah, bit. Journaling. They have, the different artists is leading it every week, and you don't have to do all of them. Like, it's, but you do have to sign up. So I think you do that through NPC npcowgirls.org. I, I don't think I get to sign up because I am not a January girl. You aren't, but she also does something called Dude's Eye View, which is, uh, I think, coming up. And if you were wanted to be part of it, and you would be able kid, to. And as a kid, I used to, to have my Dude's Eye View at the hole in the solarium of the Bridgehampton Rack and Surf Club. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, you're listening to Bridget Leroy and Alex Oclo here on WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. So what are we going to talk about today, Sock? You know, I think that with having Kate on, it's a wonderful time, especially in early January, to talk about play and the role that maybe play plays in all of our lives. Now you don't mean like the play is the thing where uh, we capture well, the conscience. a little bit. I mean, I mean the, the, our, the humans need our need to enjoy ourselves, to make expressions in the in the games that we play, in the clothes we wear, in the music we hear, and in the personas we we, we put on. Obviously, it goes into theater, um, but I think much like the play is the thing that the, the the whole all the world's a stage. And so, I would love to talk about play, Bridget. I would love to know in your life <laughs> where have you found your agency in uh, in in the playing and the playfulness. Um, of your existence. You know, I, I just feel, feel that, you know, so much of my adulthood has been trying to recapture that that childhood, the, the fun that I had. Is, I had a lot of years where I just didn't play and I didn't have fun. Okay, and, uh, but, but, that's, uh, but let's go back to recapture. You know, I know there's that anecdote I read once about Picasso where as an older artist, he, he was in a room where a bunch of kindergarten kids were painting and he disappeared and somebody found him weeping in a side room and evidently he said, I'll never be able to paint as freely as that. Right. So the need to find that inner child, that's a big concept. So let's talk about that just a little bit for you. I, I could talk about for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, like, well, let's, we'll come back. We'll do, we'll do you too, but... Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually have done a lot of self-exploration through, and I don't want to say therapy, but through like women's retreats and um, art uh, projects and stuff like that, where I, and even just going to the parish or going to Guildhall and, oh my gosh, the Laurie Anderson virtual reality thing they had this, this um, past summer at Guildhall, I feel you can you can kind of recapture that joyful child within, so you and enter, that's the play. You and enter into a state of mind where you're not as inhibited, yes, and you don't carry the uh, gigantic suitcase of the weight of the world. The weight of the world, and and for me, and it's really funny. Yeah, and, tell and, me about I, you. I, I carry that kind of stuff. Everybody does if you're human, but for me, I've always valued my playfulness. Uh, I think that I drive, I drove my kids crazy when they were growing up uh, in that I, I would always be playing little games in my head, having songs in my head, uh, the, the the decision to to dress a certain way any one day the decision. See, I call that OCD. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, for me, no. But I I, I think that and, and where where this is getting at is I think uh, it's it's what it does is it allows me to make statements safely. It's almost a mask I can put on so I can say something I want to say. I don't know how else to say it. But let, let's. I mean, you work in 
I mean, you've written many, many screenplays and, and other things, but you work, you're primarily known for the things you've written for children. And I put for children in quotes because everybody enjoys Toy Story and Garfield or whatever. But People but, enjoy Garfield? <laughs> I'm being kind. <laughs> but, uh, wait a second. But wait, <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> who, who was he? Let me have his number. I want to call and thank him. No, but seriously, I mean, you have to get into the mind of, of kids in order to write for Disney and Pixar and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, but but rather than make it about like writing is just a a conscious way of declaring thoughts that that hopefully have the subtext that that can you could be playful in in the case of these these pieces and obviously when you get into then where the rubber hits the road on making something and getting out to the world it takes on a different meaning I would say for me um, I have always had you talk about that kid inside I've always had that voice. Uh, like blaring in my head, what if? What if this happened? And wouldn't it be funny if that happened? And you know, mostly when I'm by myself, I can do that without causing any damage. Um, when I <laughs> when I've been in structured situations, that gets me into trouble. Right, right. Because well, but for me, it's like the inappropriateness comes out, the immature. Like the, I have to always. Not always, because that makes it sound like work. But I, I really need to kind of separate or compartmentalize my childish from childlike. So childish is when I'm cracking, you know, the inappropriate jokes and like being Bridget, as we all have come to know and love her. But when I'm childlike, I'm full of wonder. I'm full of curiosity. Um, I want to explore. I mean, just right. thinking and, about and, it right now again, is raising my, my, what they call in Japan, my ichinen. It's raising my life energy just thinking about getting out there and exploring and, and living in that adventure and, and those. Like, I used to believe in fairies. We were talking about that when we had uh, Amy I Turner. I just heard that uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Is that his Oh, name? yeah. He was he, taken he believed in, in by theories that. He, his whole life, that he went to his he went, grave. It was the with those girls who took yeah. the, the photos, which now look so, like, they cut out pictures of, what is it? I want to call them like the Chittenden fairies. Right. And he, he like also that. promoted the Piltown Inquest. Yeah, which was also the fake. Yeah, so the he, fake but, thing. So but if we look at it from the good side, it means like he really wanted to believe. He wanted to believe. So he had that inner childlike quality. Right. And and again, I, I, I for me, I think this is such a wonderful topic because we all have a playful side. Um, and some of us, uh, I think, can actually find their statements. And so, like, you talk about the screenplays I've been involved with and the movies that it got made. I think the real thing is it was a way to say something in a very user-friendly way. People could hear, like, there's always this thing with animation where people can hear a statement in animation um, or watch a statement in animation and accept it. But if you saw a human being or you saw a live-action uh, character saying it, you'd be much more critical of it. Right. And so uh, I, again, go to it is a platform that you can actually speak a, a greater truth, but you do it. You, what you're really doing is maybe knocking down all the inhibitions. And, and we as people have this need to know it's OK to have no inhibitions, at least in America we do. Right. Right. That's a great point. And, and I'm lucky because I, you know, I can get very... Uh, very serious and become the most important person in the room and what I'm doing is very, very, very important and I have a very playful husband. Eric is playful. Yeah. You know, he kayaks, he fishes, he he does things. Like, he's healthy. <laughs> I was not raised that way. I was raised that we work, work, work. Although, you know, li growing up with, with Tony and Jen as my parents, you know, Tony would put on Creedence Clearwater Revival, you know, Willie and the Poor Boys, as he calls it, are down on the corner. And as soon as that started, we knew it was time. And Emma and I would have to drop everything we were doing. And he would grab mom's hand. And mom would grab, grab Emma's hand. Emma would grab me because I was the youngest. And we would all come circling through the apartment. And we'd like climb under the bed. And we'd all have to play like follow the leader. And he, the music would be blasting. And the neighbors would be pounding on the doors and stuff like that. So I was brought up with this sense of playfulness. Right. Um, you know, I, it, I remember one really rainy, maybe it was like weeks of rain in New York. And my mom like woke me and I'm up early. She's like, we're going to have a picnic. We're going to have a picnic. We're like, a picnic? We were so bored. And we, we drew things on pieces of paper, like grass and leaves and flowers and birds and stuff. And she put them all over this long hallway in the Apthorpe, and we had a picnic there. Right. And, and, then, and then as we all merge into some of that Peter Pan thing, we all merge into our adult uh, realities. Somehow that's considered foolish, or that's considered not normal or not right and right. or or it's exceptional i should say because you have to decide to play and and again like with kate uh you know she has um actually found a a platform 
to make statements, to, uh, to, to bring people in and invite them into her play uh, that hopefully raise consciousness a little bit and um, allow, in, 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 in her case, uh, I think, and in, in the case of uh, the neopolitical cowgirls, uh, allow women, girls um, of all ages, to, uh, to find some empowerment and a voice. Absolutely, and also the ability to play and that it's okay. It is not frivolous to play. Play is an important part, like you said. It's Absolutely. an important part of who we are. Absolutely. Well, that seems like a pretty good place to take a break. We are Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. Sundays on the East End here on WPPB, Peconic Public Broadcasting. You can also listen to us online at 883wppb.org. We are Long Island's only NPR station. We'll be right back. And we're the most playful. <laughs> 365 days a year, WPPB is working for you on the air and on our website. WPPB has a helpful community calendar on our site. Just go to 883wppb.org to the community calendar tab and tell us about your activity or event. It's free, easy, and fast. WPPB is the voice of the community, 365 days a year, seven days a week, on the air and online. Spread the word about your community events. Go to 883wppb.org. Climbing up on South Hi, everybody. We're back with Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We are bringing on the coolest, hottest guest in the world, Kate Muth. Welcome, Kate. Hey. Th- I ha- Can I just say, sitting here listening to you two, I feel like I'm the drunk girl rolling up to the Mensa Club. But I also feel <laughs> a, little, a little like sweaty balls is going on, too. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. Right? Like, right, because we're like <laughs> FM. That's like, so, so it's FM like voice. the steam room of the Mensa Club, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but Kay, you are involved in so many, so many different product projects. And I was thinking I didn't even mention Balbo from the summer, which had the trapeze artist. Did and you all see this. that? Or were no, you? No, yeah. but I, well, I came to you a dress to. rehearsal. <laughs> it was on my, it was on my calendar. Yeah. But uh, no, but I did come out to the the party for it, where where you had the um, trapeze artists and stuff that was uh, at the oh, backyard right. of Soleil. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank and you. saw everybody in costume, and it was just such an amazing. So, so again, I I, I just met Kate, right? And so here's what I, I want to know: like, you have this amazing energy when you walk in a room. Um, what, where did you come from, and when did and, and when and where are you going? When, no, and when when did you realize <laughs> that in your personage and in your where you put your energy that you actually can do these things oh gosh i i was born and raised uh in a very tiny town in illinois in the midwest on the border with wisconsin and the cornfields um and uh, we don't have any alcohol here to actually go into the family dynamics of like you know how we find the theater how do we find the arts usually lots of times not always but comes from so much pain and and just trying to figure things out and make sense of the world absolutely um and i spent a lot of time in the woods um that's where i went to play alone (laughs) (laughs) and that's where you know nature you can really it can really uh um build and um establish a deep imagination i find when i'm deep in nature and um, I think that's a lot of the reasons why so much of my work happens outside. Right. And so and so you find that as a kid uh, and as somebody that, that's maturing into your adulthood, you find your friends in the woods, you find the release and the escape. Um, what like and then how did you start your theater groups? How did you start your, like your journey, your journey? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I, you know, it was a, I grew up in a pretty repressive home. It was very religious, very focused on religion. Um, I found I'm an Aquarian. And and you didn't have an issue with the idea of an invisible man in the sky judging everything. Well, I want to hear about the Aquarian. Yeah, because I'm an Aquarian. I'm an Aquarian. What's your birthday? January 26th. February 1st. And Eric's February second, and Bing is February seventh. Very complex people. We're we're air. We're air. We're not water. We're not water. We are whoosh. Right, and I'm air also. Libra. 
There so we're go. all air. That's it. We're going to fly <laughs> we're all full of hot air. I beat you to <laughs> it. <laughs> but, but anyways. But so. I think, you know, I, I grew up where I was, I came out very like wide-eyed and wild like all the pictures of me as a little toddler I'm like going crazy I've got my hair standing up and I'm like ah looking out at the world really big and to be honest and I, I love my parents and they loved me as best they could but it it gradually painfully shut me down it was, it was constricting constrictive punitive my father was German um, I was the last of five children and that freedom went, went like this and right. it got constricted and it got shut down, but it was always still there. Now, which is the joyful child inside that we were yes. talking about. And it's always there. We can't forget that even when it gets beaten out of us, right. we have to remember that if it was ever once there, it's always there. It's still to be found. We just have to give it space to speak. Right. And, and, and how did you begin to give it space to speak? Uh, I got very sick. I got okay. very sick with an eating disorder. I was a dancer. Um, and it took me getting very sick at a very young age to uh, drop down. And that's where compassion was born. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening to me behind closed doors. Right, and compassion is, is literally to suffer with. Yes, yeah. Yeah. exactly. To, and to take on the, the feelings of others. I mean, yeah. you know, the to feel empathy, that feeling for them, empathy. Slides yeah. in there, the awareness that um, if I feel, if my world, which is inside me, feels this, I know somewhere I'm not alone. What are other people's experiences? Well, how did you know that? Because most people do think, God, I'm the only person, especially as a teenager, I'm the only person who feels this way. How did you understand that you weren't? You know, how did you break out of it and understand that there, you know, that there were other people going through the same thing? And then, and then the next step, how did you become the Bodhisattva who wanted to like help them and, and spread joy through play and theater and dance? I I think that's a that's a lovely question, but I think, to be honest, I think there's just one little strand that I was born with, and that is um, awareness, okay. um, deep awareness of myself, of the world around me, and I don't I don't think everybody's always born with that, or at least not to a certain degree. Or, or it's or it's kind of invisibly beaten out of them. Yes. And sometimes it has, you know, like you, you have, you can't be aware because you can't take it. You can't, it's too much to take it all in. Believe me, I feel now so many times I can't take the world anymore. I mean, it's very painful to deal with humanity. Um, and sometimes I, I can't take it and I have to shut down, I have to stop. But I have to be careful, right, when you do that. But how did I get out? Is, um, well, okay, I, if theater. I can interject, uh, you were a dancer. I was a dancer. What kind I, of dancing? Ballet. Which, yeah, and which ballet, <laughs> it, to me, and I, I, I never did ballet, but to, it seems like the most restrictive yes! form of play. I hated it. But, I, <laughs> but, I, but I, I, it's the only thing I could find. I actually wanted to be an actor from the very, from, I remember the age of five. And, and, you know, I can be very specific, and it sounds like lunacy, but I think most actors have our <laughs> dreams born out of lunacy. Tar, the, do you remember the TV show Tarzan? Uh, well, the original, oh. the original Tarzan. Oh, well, the original yeah. one, yeah. It was with it was, Johnny Weissmuller. Yes. Was it? Was he on the show? Was it Johnny Weissmuller? I know he was in the movies. And it was Lupe Velez. It, but it was, was the um, re, it was the um, what do you call them when they're? It was like it wasn't. I was not that old, but it was the replays, right? Maureen now, O'Sullivan. Yeah. I would watch Maureen O'Sullivan, and I would watch them, and I fell in love with Tarzan. I mean, it was hot <laughs> as hell, <laughs> and I wanted to play his daughter. I wanted to. Write a role to play his daughter because he was strong, he was kind, he would save me, and he was wild. He was wild. All right, so all right, but now now I'm gonna like g jump right ahead into your to yeah. your feminist activism. So you, all those fantasies are actually quite opposed to the empowerment of women. Right, but it's not because if you walk it back, I needed a father. I needed a father that. Um, that loved me, that I wanted to feel loved by. I wanted in that, in my psyche at that point, I wanted my father, who I didn't really have. Okay. You know, do you know um, Kristen Linklater's work with Carol Gilligan um, and about the idea of when girls become prepubescent into their pubescence and we start to lose our connection to our voices? Um, and it's, they mean this purely uh, metaphorically that it's, a, it's an emotional rape of sorts, what fathers naturally do they start stepping back from their daughters because they're becoming sexual beings and it makes fathers uncomfortable a asleep fathers right just 
uncomfortable. They don't know what to do with their blossoming daughters. They don't know how to deal with their emotions and they don't. So there's a natural. They unconsciously step away even if they're very So what's, what's funny You're about like, that is that, is that th from a guy's point of view though, I would say uh, probably what's going on is thinking I want to give somebody space so that they don't think that I am yeah. smothering them. On a good, that could be the yeah. good, the good side. But however it, it is meant, it is taken as my father is stepping away from me. Yeah, and that make, can make a girl feel abandoned, abandoned neglected, and desperate for attention, affection, approval from from men. I mean, it's not conscious. You know, it's so funny. Time. And again, I know yeah. I'm I'm not the average bear on this, but like I um, I can remember uh, thinking that you know when my when my daughter came of age and and started her period that I would take her out for ice cream. Yeah, like, I just thought but that was really like cool. That's amazing. You know, but that's, that's but great. that's the mitzvah. I mean, when, yeah. when I, I mean, sorry, sorry, guys, if this is embarrassing, <laughs> but when I got my period, all four of my parents took me out to Trader Vic's for dinner. Awesome. It, I had become a woman. Awesome. You know, it was like it a super drunk. exciting there thing. There you go. <laughs> no, we didn't have the menahuni drink. We <laughs> ate like the little food you cook over the little flames on the table. Okay. Well, well, anyway, let's the, get now back. Now you about ritual. Like, yeah, um, ritual. And in America, we miss out on a lot of important rituals for the growth of our children or the growth of ourselves. Even as we become old people, there's a lack of this respect for ritual. Um, so, well, you know, and we going back... I, let, I, let me just explain that we're, we're yeah. just like kind of a station ID here that we're speaking with Kate Muth of the Neopolitical Cowgirls, which is a group based in East Hampton. You can look at their website at NPC npcowgirls.org and uh, and Kate has done many many theatrical ventures out here including coming up Zima for the you know how many years is it nine years or whatever nine, nine so, years. so we're talking about play and theater as an exploratory way of, of, of discovery and 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 this quest you do and and, all and, and but then and, and the writer and me then we're also talking about the framework of play and that you have to create the framework to allow people in yeah. so maybe when we come back after our next little interlude we can kind of start jumping into that, how you started the neo-political cowgirls, how you ended up on the East End, things like that, you know. Um, okay, well, this sounds like a good time to take a little break, so we're going to have a little interlude, as Sock put it, and yeah. uh, we're going to be back in a minute. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Kayla Wallachus. That's my name sideways. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay then I'm Teg Derb Yarl, and we're talking with uh, Kate Muth here. We'll be right back after this little interlude. The following is a public service announcement from 88.3. This January, the Spotlight Theater Group will present Any Kids at the Vale Levitt Music Hall in Riverhead. Based on the popular comic strip and adapted from the Tony Award winning Best Musical. A fun field show for all ages, starring a talented cast of the youth ages 7 to 11. Any Kids! at the Vale Levitt Music Hall in Riverhead, January 12th and 13th. Tickets are just $15. Learn more at SpotlightEastEnd.com. We are back, uh, Sundays on the East End. Uh, this is Alex Sokolo. And Bridget Leroy. And we're here with our guest, Kate Muth. Muth. I'm, I'm really bad at pronunciation. Pardon me, Muth. Um, is, and is that a German name? It is. It means courage, Myrte. Oh, that's awesome. What part of Germany is your family originally from? Oh, gosh. I don't know. My father, um, my grandparents were from Germany. They moved to Illinois, had 14 children in a two-bedroom <laughs> two farmhouse. And my father never talked about anything again. <laughs> All right. Well, so there you that go. explains sort of, yeah, some there of you my go. stuff. All right. So, so let's talk about, <laughs> that, hey, you know what? No, because I know like, like the Bavarian they're traditions not Bavarian, are much yeah. more playful. Yes. Than with the no they're not Bavarian. They're probably the coldest, most remote, most <laughs> and, okay. stoic part of Germany. Do you have lederhosen? Um, no, but my husband does. Hey, no. <laughs> is he even German? No, Josh. he's Jewish. Russian just, Jew. You no, know, that, it, that is kinky. You know, Kate Muth's husband is Josh Gladstone <laughs> from Guildhall. Everybody knows and loves Josh very yeah. much. And your son, uh, August, everybody loves kind. him. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about the neo-political cowgirls. What, what's the germ? Where, where did that start? 
Um, because I was leaving the East End, leaving my little baby to go in for auditions into the city where I would say words that didn't matter for Red Lobster commercial or whatever. <laughs> and I'd sit there with other I women. I love Red Lobster. Looking like me. And all you can eat. <laughs> and all you can eat. And I would leave and I'd go, this just isn't fun. This isn't using me and my experience. This isn't why I became an actor. This isn't the craft for me. And and I know for a lot of people it is, and that's great. I'm not judging that, but it wasn't for me. And I, I was growing tired of worrying about my laugh lines or my wrinkles or my boobs or my weight or my anything, how old I was. And um, I said, it's got to get better than this and if I feel this way there must be a lot of black women who feel this way a lot of Asian women Native American like women who get even less work than I could possibly get with my crazy face so <laughs> so I'm like I it's to our I, listeners she does have a crazy face I by have the a way crazy face. No. <laughs> three eyeballs <laughs> and a horn um, but but here's the thing it's like we have to think about this because so many times in our life we just bump through right with our unhappinesses and accept things as they are but this is the thing I knew that if I didn't want to quit acting I loved the work I love storytelling then and I can't bear it in the in the paradigm it's in then I have to leave this paradigm which is where our idea of success lies right extract myself and create a new paradigm and sure, I need like eight more lives to actually make <laughs> it matter. But this is my change of a paradigm, which is I don't audition that way for people. I sit and get tea or a beer with them. We talk. We see if we can connect on this human level, on a story level. What are you passionate about? Because then when I can actually play with them in a rehearsal room, we can figure out what they have to bring to the story that's coming from them. It's not just me putting something on them. And let me just explain that as an audience member who's been to many neopolitical cowgirls events like Eve and I've written about Kate for The Independent and for other papers Thank I've worked you. for. Um, I mean, like Voyeur, which was, uh, you know, where you put a, a house on stage and people would come in and look in the windows. Or I saw something when you did, I guess it was Eve at Ajwa Hall. And then I saw it when it was at Bruce Sloan's place for the Living Out Loud event. Do you remember that? That was like eight yeah, years ago. Yeah, that was just a little teaser. Yeah, yeah, that was a teaser. But but all of these events that you do, they're they're they're. It's an ensemble production. In other words, you get people's input. It's not like you don't show up and like right. this is but like. I, but I, I want to go back. Right, I'm just going to like bring this back. So neo, new, new political. So what's the political aspect of this? New political uh, meaning new politics. Um, also, new, neo can mean close to the ground, right? Okay. Like beginning place. Um, so for me, it's not about um, the politics of the paradigm of the industry as we know it. Like women, here, let's inject you full of poisonous chemicals. No judgment on that, but we shouldn't have to do that in order to get a freaking job as an actor, right? We shouldn't have to, we should be able to bring our humanity fully to the table. So what it is, is everyone's welcome at the table. I don't care your gender. I don't care your race, I don't care your religion, I don't care your politics. It's new politics, meaning everybody's voice at the table. Everyone's welcome into this story. And all right, and then let me ask you this, and again, I, I don't mean to parse this, but then cowgirls. Now, why cowgirls? Yeah, because going back to play, because I think cowgirls are badass. Because, <laughs> okay. Right? They don't take shit. I can say that word, right? Yeah. They don't take shit. Take? <laughs> <laughs> they take? They don't take shit. They have fun. They're sassy. They're Mae West, right? They can be whatever they want, and, and you'll let them be whatever they want. Right, but, that, but that's part of, if I may, yes, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but that's yeah. part of the old paradigm. Oh, do you think? Uh, well, the person you're talking about existed banging against the walls of the old paradigm. I'm mean, not going to be cowgirls. the cowgirls. I'm yeah. not going to be what you want me to be. Right. Yeah. And I think right. of... Uh, yes. May, well, think about Mae West, right? Love Mae West. Well, she 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 had a mouth on and her. And I think of Jelly yeah. Bean, whatever. What, what Benito? was the Benito? No, no, the, no, the, the, the DJ. No, the DJ. No, <laughs> which brings me to Madonna. No, which brings the character us in the Tom Wolf book. Who, you know, <laughs> uh, even cowgirls get the blues. Yes, yeah, okay. with the big thumb. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm we're doing this without Google, so like you know, give a cut us some yeah. slack here, uh, uh, audience. Okay. Jelly Bean Benito. No, no. Okay, so 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 you know, and again, I'm I'm pretty literal as a writer, so so I I understand the philosophy of the words now and uh, and and so you really it's it's almost like what you were saying uh, previously you you have it's coming from inside of you out you you're you're kind of 
um, saying, I don't want the outside to make the rules for, for what I'm feeling inside. Mm. And then you're inviting people into that. And you're saying it's safe now to bring your inner voice. Yeah. Well, your yeah, work is interactive. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times. Yeah, it, yeah, it is um, close. I, I like to examine ways, different ways we can um, present story. And how can we make it where there's always a blurred line between the audience and the and the performers without? Because I'm not particularly like don't call me up on the stage and make me do monkey stuff, right? Oh my like, God! You know what? So so you know? I, years ago, and living in LA, uh, took the family to Cirque du Soleil, oh. and I'm the guy that got pulled on stage for the pantomime thing. Oh no! <laughs> and and I'm I'm doing it, and it was it was fascinating to do. And I only mentioned because the next day I go to a meeting. And in the meeting is somebody who had been visiting L.A. from another country, and he started pantomiming what I did. He had been in the audience and did not know that it was you. That it was me. <laughs> and then I'm in the meeting, and he's like, you know, like pretending to like shoot me because that's what, one of the things that they asked me to do. And um, I started. I couldn't take the rest. Like I was like, wow, that was it. Yeah. That was better. That was better than like I didn't get the job. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. No. I just. I, I try to. For me, it's more about like just. Uh, ha having them like it might be holding a lantern it might be hold this while I go up on stage just to have them realize that we are all part of everybody's story even when we think we're not we are a ripple in everyone's story whether yeah. we're just walking by whether we're saying hello or not saying hello whether we're dropping that door in someone's face whatever it is we we are always playing a part even if we don't know You're it. making me think Neo made me think The Matrix and I'm thinking of like the woman in the red dress mm. and like, you know, like yeah. everybody everybody has a part. Oh, there's so much more going on in the world that we, than we even see or realize. It's... Right. it's and, and I'm always uh, struck by how you could be on a street corner in pretty much any part of the world and see all these people who, who are the extras of your story, but you're the extra of their story, and you might never see them again. You know what? There was a short story yeah. called The Most Important yeah. Man in the World. It was like a three-page story, and it was like, the most important man in the world got up. He got dressed, da-da-da-da-da. And then like, at the end, he's about to pull into a parking space, and he gets killed. And then it's and the next sentence is and the most important man in the world took his parking space. You know what I mean? It's like we all are the most important person in our own lives. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that very well, but it was no, actually no, a really, really good. Short, all right. Totally so so, yeah. so let's talk about the January girls. Unless we're popping in, mm. is that a neo-political cowgirl? Yes. Yeah. It's um. So we have a new education arm just to differentiate, not differentiate because it's still neo-political cowgirls, but just to make it clear that that's our education realm, which is making space, um, safe space, or space, space. Just space. Yeah, I don't say safe because that's stupidly a trigger word for some people, yeah, okay. and it feels divisive. But yes, it is safe because I'm not going to bash anybody's story when they come. It's we're making space to hear each other, right? Okay. To be at the table. Moving, I always say when I'm working with kids, we'll be in a circle, someone new will come in late, and I'll be always look around and make space for the next person coming in. Like, always just be aware, move and make space. Um, January Girls was started two years ago because we had some problems in East Hampton and probably across the country uh, with relation to our immigrant kids, people. But in this situation, it was uh, my son in his high school um, and seeing did, did he go to East Hampton High School? Yeah. Okay. And seeing and hearing particular other students say um, incredibly terrible things to our immigrant, their immigrant classmates in the hallways. Um, and so having just worked with a group of immigrant girls in the high school who were uh, brand new and had harrowing stories to tell about coming here, um, terrible things that they couldn't even voice, um, I decided to make this free so that these people understood they do have people in our community who uh, support them, who are there for them, who they can call friends, who care about them. Well, Kate, and also, you, you, you know, we've talked about this earlier this week because I've also written a story about you for The Independent that will be coming uh, soon, but that it goes beyond just saying, well, tell your story because they didn't have the actual... Um, armature to even be able to tell the right. story yet because it's still happening to them and they're young and so when it's happening and you're young you can't see the outside picture in um and when you're in trauma it goes back to what we were saying before though is out of pain comes art yes yeah 
and yeah. then and then bringing play into it. So yeah. so tell me about the, some of the results. Uh, I mean, not to make it result oriented, but what did you see happen that first year that made you want to do it again? So how did it shift? Yeah. Well, those girls leaving with smiles and saying, "I made a new friend." It was that simple. And I know it sounds cliche, but sometimes that's all that you it's have it's to get you to the next day. It's breaking down the invisible walls that yeah. we all carry. That's right. And that's where we are now with it is opening it up is to break down the generational walls because I'm really interested in, in activating um, particularly girls and women right now to focus until we can move outward, but to help us become allies to one another across generations because I feel like the sooner women and girls can look to each other up or down the generation ladder and see an ally, I think we have a lot of problems solved because then we're not going to be judging the millennials and putting these blanket statements on old people, but instead we're looking at each other as individuals. In Finland, where I've traveled to work a few times, um, I love going there. There's a producer there that I work with who is also a philosopher. And did he say, you're finished? Ah, oh, she God. did not. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, but Got his comeuppance. Yes. No. She, she really enlightened me because she, this one time she was saying, I don't believe in, in fighting for women's rights. And I said, oh, tell me about that. And she goes, no, because we need to fight for the individual's rights. Because yeah. once you, it's everybody's, you don't have to worry about labels. You don't have to worry about gender. You don't have to, you're not you know, because if, as soon as you start going for women's rights, and the women have these rights over here, but so and so doesn't over here. Right. So just stop with all of that. Yeah, I mean, I actually wrote something for a newspaper where it was the anniversary of the um, of women getting the right to vote, right? And and I put up this big thing: women got the right to vote. Whatever. And I received a very nice phone call from an African American woman who said not all women got the right to vote. Right. Then. And I was like, oh my God, how could I have been so like? Right. But but you know, uh, and, and there's so is, many layers. Just, a huge nerve in me just now because I think one of my biggest um, uh, inner mission statements or, or the, the artists I've always been drawn to, the statements I've always been drawn to, is are, are the people uh, that are fighting the individual and then the collective group think. And so, you know, you can go to, um, uh, what's his name, 1984 dude. Uh, Orwell. Orwell. Uh, Orwell. <laughs> you did a movie. I know, I know. I adapted one of his short stories. But I'm, <laughs> you I'm did having, a I'm movie, having a moment where I can't remember his name. My brain's too full. Um, exactly. But you can you can go to Kubrick. He did that. That was a lot of his, his uh, themes and his movies. You can go to Roger Waters and, and uh, Pink Floyd. And he did mm -hmm. that. was a lot of what kind of, it's, it's the loss of the individual to the greater group think. We live in a moment in time with all of the devices and all the social media and all of the information that, that we are being fed, where, where it's one big group think yeah. that's going on. And it's never been more important, I'm on a little bit of a stand here, it's never been more important to really focus on yourself and the individual and see the people and not mm -hmm. just the, the label. Yeah, who's walking in the room, right? And, and people who have a problem, you know, you see this that they can't, Look, I grew up in a time when there was a he and a she. That's it. That's what we were taught. I love the fact that people are demanding their own, this is what I want to be called. This is my pronoun. And people who have a problem with that, I have a, I have a little bit of a problem with because it's like, why does it matter to you? Like, they're claiming their identity. It's no different than I like pink or I like yellow or <laughs> I eat vegan or right. whatever it is. Like, why does what your choices are have to determine my anguish? <laughs> like, that, exactly. that, goes, that goes to so much of the, of the political conversation that happens in the greater world yeah. is that there we're, there's a lot of talk. There's just a lot of talk right a now. A lot of opinion. It's Yeah, but mm. it's, it's like chatter. It's white noise, uh, no pun intended, but it's, it's, uh, it's talk. And it, 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 it's a it's, it's, we're living in an era of false equivalency in many ways because yes. it has nothing to do with our lives. Well, you know what? I, I, and you know no one loves Facebook more than, you know, Bridget Leroy. But, but it's amazing how quickly, like, someone will write something horrible, like, like, you know, that someone's just been killed or, you know, a drunk driver has hit this child. And you'll feel all this empathy and everything. You'll write, put a little sad face. You'll, you'll write, I'm so, so sorry. And then the next post you look at is hilarious. So we're, we're shifting our emotions so quickly that I think that's that somehow has to be affecting our, our empathy and our opinion of other right. people. Right, and so, and, and so Zima, and so, but this goes right to Zima. Yes. Zima is a, um, and I, I might be misusing the term site-specific, but it's, a, yeah. it's asking the audience, each individually, to go out into the world and experience the, the narrative. Get off your device, 
bundle up, stop being afraid of weather, stop being afraid of the cold, embrace nature, um, embrace the magic, embrace the idea of suspension of disbelief, um, be playful. This is the most, play, you know, really, truly annual playful thing that we do. Um, it is meant to enter the land of magic. I love the idea of it a lot because it goes away after, t you know, two hours. It's gone. And then you can drive by that same place where you just saw this crazy winter elf or whatever, and it's not there anymore. And it, it, it allows in my, and I might be just be ho too hopeful, but it makes me feel like if I can help plant in people's idea, uh, in their minds, these ideas that magic can happen, art can happen anywhere on the moment that yeah. you can make it happen and you can make it happen. Right. Like, well, I also, it, I, also I love just the concept, though, that, you know, the difference between like culture uh, and and kind of uh, uh, the uh, the event driven world we live in now is if either you were there or you weren't. That's right. So if you if you weren't there, you missed it. Right. That's right. right. And, and that's, that's the thing about theater that makes it so hard is I have a lot of people who are like, um, I, I mean, like my off Broadway show in the city. We had 28 performances a month long. It was a real thing. And I had people go, oh, are you going to do it again after that? And I'm like, no, you had 28 times <laughs> to try to make it. Get your ass to my show. Right. Like, right. it's not that hard. But if... I'm not even going to use names, but if some particularly large celebrity were to go read the phone book at Guild Hall, oh, everybody would be there in a heartbeat and they'd pay big money for it. But and this is the thing that drives me crazy is the celebrity obsession. Not because I don't love certain celebrities or deem that as valuable, but because they're not people aren't invested in story. Yeah, but I, I would I and this this might be a little bit of a wet blanket following what you're saying. I think that like our obsession with celebrity culturally has as much to do with like the real void of of uh, meaning and self-worth in all of our own lives yes. that we have to identify somebody or something and that gives us value in that day yeah and it's I, I don't know I, I uh, kind I hear you but I also think that celebrity goes way 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 back to like emperors that would you know it, it, I think it has to yeah, do with but, ritual but, but, but and we're talking about emperors but but, how, but like you could be a subject of an empire and never see your emperor you know you would see a picture but you would never see that emperor well you know again years ago I had my family in uh, in London and we went to the Bloody Tower and the Queen was there and we saw the Queen and you know she was consecrating a building or doing something there were a couple of things that really stood out at that moment one is as everybody was waiting if at one point the doors open and this yellow coat was seen and everybody started applauding myself included and then you realize it was just the footman holding her <laughs> coat and it was like a great metaphor right, right? Yeah. but then the but other what I one, mean is it's the I, no, I, no but the other one Bridget what I'm trying to get to is is that after that, anytime I said, oh, I've seen the Queen, most subjects, most citizens of, of England would say, I've never seen the Queen. I, you saw the Queen? Right. Like, so... But what I mean is that this, as far as... Uh, as a deifying celebrities, I think to deify is part of human nature. Why? To deify. But why? I don't know. That we have to have something authoritarian that is greater or that smells like flowers or that's that walks on what water said, or whatever. Though, is like is that looking for the hero outside yourself. The looking hero. Looking out for, right. there for you go. investing That's meaning in someone else because it makes us feel, takes the focus off our own miserable selves. And we'll look at Instagram, which I don't think is the worst thing, but I see so many people, <laughs> it's posing. It's not even real life. It's not even showing right. real life. And it's obsessive. And we're, they're showing their, their babies and their children. And I'm like, oh, my right. God. And, and there's a well, growing number of people who have lost their lives uh, to, taking yes. selfies. And they're not showing. What I'm saying is then they're not going out for story. Right. They're not going out for this one-on-one -on -one thing. They're living through a device. They're creating alternative lives, if, if you will. And... For me, I feel like story can change the world. Well, we're going to come back and talk more about Kate's story. We're here with Kate Muth. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with, with Alex Sokolow and Bridget Leroy. And we're going to be right back after this short break. The following is a public service announcement from 88.3 WPPB. Founded in 2002, Fighting Chance is a free-of-charge cancer counseling and resource center independent from any hospital and funded solely by charitable contributions located in Sag Harbor on Long Island's East End, providing patients and their caregivers free access to a variety of resources and professional counseling. More information at fightingchance.org or 631-725-4646.
So we're back. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with, with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolo on WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. You can listen right now or you can listen on 883WPPB.org. You can always make a donation. Are we archived yet? Uh, we are on my website That's as a landing, which, gosh, I just hate saying it, BridgetLeroy.com slash right. radio Look, shows know, if you've cool missed one until, yeah, until it's on the PPB website. But there is a donate button for PPB on that website as well. And we're speaking with Kate Muth of Neopolitical Cowgirls. And you can also check out their website at npcowgirls.org. And we've been talking about interactive theater. Oh, my gosh. We've been talking about so much. Where do we go from here, guys? Well, yeah. you, know, <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Uh, as, as the only man in this conversation or the only genetic man in this conversation, I would say, how, how, do, how do men participate? Uh, a few ways by supporting women and uh, their daughters and their wives and their cousins and their grandmothers. And then um, because I started getting phone calls and emails from mothers about two years ago, uh, and I love that this happened because my company's name is Neo Political Cowgirls. I love the fact that mothers started coming to me and going, what do you have for boys? <laughs> like that, that yeah. was uh, such a compliment. Well, they I must have it. seen what, what, what the girls were getting out of your, out of your many different, I mean, it's not just January girls. You do things year round. Yeah, we do uh, a lot. We, yeah. we, we think of uh, arts programming as triage uh, yeah. with education. Like it has to be immediate. And that was for me, like what's not been happening in institutions many times because they're bound by large boards they're bound by and, and arts are the first thing that gets they're the first thing that gets yeah. going and so, and so what happened with the boys so what happened with the boys was you no know, i have josh and i have a son um who we love dearly um and so it wasn't uh unknown to me what boys are going through and i was particularly aware of with the me too movement of which i'm very um supportive of and part of that but the thing is, we have to go to humans, again, going back to the individuals, and we can't leave boys and men behind in this conversation. They're going to be left angry. They're going to be left confused. They're going to be left, <laughs> who and also knows, they're part of the, some they're, other... They're, they're part, part of the part solution. Of the, the solution and the problem. And, but, so but, and I would also just add, from a purely cold, almost economics point of view, it's, is that everybody wants to be incentivized in their own lives. And so how do you incentivize... Mm -hmm you know, 49% of the population right. uh, to to be part of this 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 movement. Yeah, so what we did to start, and look, we, we don't think we're saving the world. We're, you know, casting nets to try to save uh, particular individuals who might fall into them. We started um, in partnership with the Hamptons Film Festival, um, Dude's Eye View. Dude's Eye Dude's View. Dude's Eye View, which is right now just in the East Hampton High School with the high school boys. And uh, we have another round coming up in the spring. We did the pilot program. And what it is is I have a male teaching artist come in and um, they have a curriculum based on starting with photos that they go out and take of um, something, you know, progressing, storytelling. Alec, you would n probably be a great teacher in this. Um, he is a wonderful teacher. I would probably cut class. Huh? You <laughs> like, where's the teacher? So rebellious. Um, and they have conversations around these images. And then these images, they slowly then move into creating a short video based on their view of the world. It can be anything. And this gets problematic for boys because they get paralyzed Right. With integrity, with fear, with what am I going to talk about? Right, and and that also goes to and you know I I co-produced a documentary on sex trafficking a couple of years ago, and one of the th conversations that I became very aware of is that people look at like sex trafficking and supply and demand, and it's the demand conversation that that gets under like from the time boys are, are infants, uh, there's there's this weird cultural conditioning that happens that. Uh, has to change yes. if you're going to actually change a bigger conversation. That's right. And what's lovely about this, in the, at least in the pilot program, they were able to, with these, starting the conversation with particular images, talk about violence, talk about a particular episode of a classmate of theirs being arrested for raping a girl in a car, mm -hmm. and have an actual guy conversation around that and viewpoints and whereas some of the boys were not necessarily defending him but saying the girl lied and our Charlie our uh, teacher our leader there was saying well let's walk this back a little bit like why would it let's just to say for a minute that the girl did lie they just say that we don't know none of us know we weren't there but let's say that she did what would be the situation that would cause her to do that 
And they were able to ta- articulate yeah. like, the way he dumped her was awful. She was scared and lonely. She missed him. She, you know, all these. So they things. were able to kind of come up with the the girl's eye view, yes, so to speak. Yeah, and you know, so um, we just want to keep pushing the walls out a little and, and, ha- and have a conversation. That's the thing is conversation is it's the real a great thing. word. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's but, that's what you're, you're but, conversing yes. in different ways, but it's yeah. all it's a conversation. It's that, a conversation, and then the videos that they make. Um, and part of the our education program very often is not product driven. We're very much in okay. the process. So, so to to the to hopefully the people who are listening, um, w- would you have any recommendations on on how they can in their own lives, whether they uh, join the neo political cowgirls or not? Uh, bring some of these thoughts and notions into their own lives. Yeah. So whether it's empathy or play or, you know, w- w- yeah. connection. You know, well, this is the thing is um, there's a group called Statera Arts, um, and they are uh, a group of women f- working nationally for gender uh, fluidity through the theater and, and using the theater in order to push out gender issues and um, information and education about that. Um, and something that they talk about I've been in conversation with the president there about is um, our everyday artistry, meaning you don't have to be good. You don't have to finish a product. Put, I would say, put just make it somewhere in your house on yeah. a table. T- tape down blank pieces of paper. Yeah. Keep some chalk next to it and pens and just go and make some slashes. on. Like get your st- number one, get off your phones and start writing instead of tapping everything in. Yeah. Writing is great for clearing out the mind. You know what's really funny? Just though? start moving your, your hands and getting color. And that can lead. I mean, that might seem really simple, but art doesn't have to be something we put on the wall for other people. It can be simply an act. It's it's a verb. Well, you know what's really interesting? I, I actually am leading a, a, a vision boarding workshop this coming week, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's sold those. out. I mean, it's sold out. So it's already, fantastic but, but it's really interesting because um, one of the things that I learned, because I'm a, I'm a pr- certified facilitator for vision boarding, is that the, you can use the words and that is fantastic. And, it, and that journaling or using words releases part of your brain and creativity. But when I do the vision boarding, it's images only. I don't want you to use words. You have to use images because that uses the other part of your brain. So it's like, uh, I, I'm not exactly sure why, but it's because if you're trying to manifest something, an image is so powerful. And that is what you deal with so much with the costume, right. so, but again, binary but of, of Zima or one of those things. Are these incredible characters you come on uh, right. in the woods. And, and I, would offer, I would offer that what, what we're, we're really kind of talking about in 15 different angles is in your own life, in your own day, find a time to break down those walls, to get away from the paradigms that are guiding so much of our lives, and be playful. Mm-hmm. I think if we understand playfulness and art through our own experience, meaning I think so many times we put it outside ourselves, we put it in museums, which is fine, I love museums, right. but we, we put it into this it's beyond our reach kind of thing, and it becomes erudite rather than from your gut right, and but your but pussy. Right, but I, I, I want to just go to but, this. So museum, museums to me are one big uh, exercise in, in frameworks, right? Yeah. And so like when you're in a museum, there's a framework there. When you see the frames of a piece of art, there's a framework there. So you think I'm seeing something important. What I think I'm hearing from where you put so much of your energy is that you are trying to create new frameworks or frameworks in everyday existence that then allow us to play in those frameworks, yeah. to make art in those yeah. frameworks. Well, that's, that's Zima. Yeah. I wish, I hope we have this, re- we have this recording. Yes, of course. So I, th- I, I hope that's it's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to start have over. To do this again. <laughs> well, but because to be honest, and this isn't how I feel, but I've seen uh, museums scare the shit out of some people. And they feel like if they don't get it, this is why I right. don't like art that's opposing. Like, don't be a poser. Don't bring that shit into my life. Like, don't sit there and act like because you're up there in a costume that you're better than everybody else. And do you get it yeah. or do you not? There was that like, thing a couple bullshit. years ago at like Basel, Miami. Is that what it's called uh, uh, art, art basil, art basil yeah. where somebody actually got stabbed on the floor and was lying there bleeding and people thought it was a piece of art no for like, for like a half hour I, get out of town look it up. oh come on really that's true I, I would actually believe that, that be totally <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but so tell us some more projects that you have coming up for, oh for my this god year. i'm a little crazy uh we have the battle of the bands at stephen talkhouse which is a fundraiser for us but it's really the true spirit of neopolitical cowgirls girl bands. it's girl bands who aren't real bands um competing well, it's also very punk it's, it's very punk yeah. it's very fun it's very free it's it's helping women be ferociously creative and you know powerful through the arts we have that and we that's on february 2nd february 2nd at the stephen talkhouse you can get tickets at npcowgirls.org 
We have January girls. We have um, Dudes I View around the corner. Um, we have um, Andromeda Sisters coming up. Which is great. Andromeda's Sisters, um, I, I went last year and it's uh, you kind of took over Guild Hall and it was a series of panels, it was performances, it was all these different... Uh, it's getting p- female playwrights, their, their works on stage. It's, we have you know, wonderful, uh, sometimes celebrities, actors. And then we have um, not-for-profit, global and local organizations. I'm going to say this because there's a good... She was supposed to come last year on our panel, but I think we're going to have a standalone panel this year with uh, Roberta Kaplan. Do you know who she is? Oh, yeah. The litigator for the Edie Windsor case. Yes. And that okay. one, she just took all of those. She just sued all of the Charlottesville neo yes, Nazis yes. and one. <laughs> this woman's going to come and she's going to, we're going to interview, interview her and um, just talk wow. about like fearlessness and talk about how in days like this do you get up and keep fighting for what what's right and what you need yeah, and you know I, I read an interview with the dalai lama like about 10 years ago and he was talking he was asked the question of how do you keep going when you you know you, you have all these defeats and and he simply said when you're on the right side of history even your losses are wins yeah that's, that's beautiful. right yeah and you had saying uh true to that um it's hard to take tragedy though it's hard to take it's hard to take this world. This world is hard. And that's why we have to be kind. And that's why you have to make beauty at every turn we can. Yes. I know that sounds Pollyanna, but you know what? You, ha- you know how, Alec, you said earlier that you have to have a little madness in order to keep going in certain circumstances. I feel like I, I have. I've gone mad. And <laughs> We're I all the, mad. But that's what's keeping me yes. alive and keeping me from an alternative that none of us want to think about. Right. It's important. And what's what's lovely about it then is I know, too, that when I, you know, sow those seeds of pain and suffering out of it, not only helps me, but it helps everybody, hopefully, around me. Um, I just know there's it's an opportunity for other people to also then hopefully gain joy and pleasure and, and imagine and realize that in themselves, they also hold the power to you delve into themselves. We're and, and, our and own gardens, right? We like are. We have to do. My the, dad used we to have say, to "Farm ourselves." <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot of shit to grow a rose. Yes, but we have all of us have that joyful child within us, and it's a question of accessing it and what's going to be the magic, you know, the magic word or the magic uh, brushstroke or the magic play it that's going to make go. you. But you I would say rather than magic, go. I would just say it's 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 diving into the conversation that in in your own mind with anything around you anybody and anything around you and just realize that things don't have to be any one way yeah that's right that's where the when that's why we are in our education programs in the process about it because there's too much um uh, there's too much emphasis put on final products as if it's this stopping place and there's too much value put on these stopped images like on the images on instagram or your perfectionism or the final product if we paid more attention to ourselves along the way, I think we could manage conflict better along the way. We would pay attention more deeply. We would see each other more deeply along the way instead of both of us working and looking for that thing down the road. What is it right now that I'm feeling and that we're communicating through and just being in the now? It's a zen, it's a zen thing, but I'm not like a who 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 kind of person. Like I'm not religious. I'm not. That was, that was for who's. That sounds like a song. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so I want to ask you, I mean, when you do, I know that you feel great um, pain. I mean, you're such an empathetic person and sympathetic person. When you are in those moments, what is something that comes to you, a joyful moment that you've experienced through Neopolitical Cowgirls? What is something that makes you laugh or something that you can hark back to where you're like, yeah, I made a difference in that person's life? Mm, that's inter- I don't look backwards, to be honest. That's not part of my, maybe I need to make it part of who I am, but I never, I don't I just mean a, a memory or, or something that, mm. I mean, besides Augs being little or something like that, but something maybe that you've created where you're like, yeah, I am making a difference. I don't, you don't. <laughs> to be honest. I don't. I, I never feel satisfied, to be honest. Well, that's probably good. No, leaders never feel satisfied. The only thing... No, but I think you, you already said it in a way. Pushing forward, when, when you hear right? somebody, that uh, you know, a kid at, at the high school that says, oh, my God, like, I, I'm alive in a different way. That sounds amazing. It makes me... I don't take credit for that, though. Like, I never... I, I just... Because that... I don't, I don't even mean something you take credit for. Mm, I mean, just something where you go, yeah, it's question. worth it. I, I, it's worth it. Pizza. 
I, you know pizza's what? Pizza's amazing. Pizza's amazing. Some pizza. Some chocolate pizza. is amazing. Chocolate's I think amazing. the thing is the alternative. But there's never been chocolate pizza. But I love the. Th- I mean, you, the, you know, we just are almost out of time. But the fact you've gone to Berlin with your work, you've gone to Finland, you've gone, you, you've worked with homeless vets in Boston, you've worked with a very, um, you know, a handy, capable, emotionally uh, handicapped people. You know you what know, makes me? You know, what gives me happiness is thinking of the next thing I can do. That's what actually, does that make sense? Absolutely. You've got me thinking, I'm going to be pondering this whole day, but it really is about what can I do next? Who needs help next, right? That's so great. Well, it has been just such a pleasure talking with you, Kate Muth. Oh, I love Neo you guys. Neopolitical cowgirl. I'm the drunk girl yes. at the Mensa Club. That's no, you awesome. are not. You're the smartest girl, and I feel like I'm the drunk girl. And but why is it not the Women's Club? Oh, now we're going to work on that. (laughs) Uh, You've been listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. Thank you for having me. Everybody be well and stay well. What's it all really worth?